Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Into the Mind with Marlon Johnson. I am your host, Marlon Johnson, and I'm happy about today's episode because we're going to be speaking with Emily Morare. So Emily is someone that I had actually met through the education course that got me first started with real estate investing. She was one of the speakers as well as alumni students. She originally started the course learning about real estate but found that her true passion lied within the stock market. So she's been working the stock market as a trader full time for the last several years. She's been able to support herself and her family. And ultimately what's cool about it is Emily was looking for a way to replace her W-2 income as well as gain more time to be a mother. So here's the interesting thing. Like most parents, Emily soon discovered that it was tough learning a new skill and still maintaining a family life balance. She at some points would hide herself and physically lock herself in the bathroom just to stay away from the kids long enough to learn these new skills. So it was just a testament that if you want it bad enough, you will make a way. Emily now takes what she knows and teaches people around the world, especially minority women, how to trade in the stock market. She's also working with the Sherlock's Homes Foundation, which is helping to house homeless youth. And she's a part of teaching them how to invest in the markets. That way they can learn to take care of themselves going forward. So sit back, relax, and listen to this amazing episode with an amazing guest. We are now officially recording. All right, so everything you say from this point on is on record. <laughs> All right, are you ready to get started? Let's go. Okay, and real quick, actually, Emily, before we get started, how do I pronounce your last name? <laughs> <laughs> it's pronounced Morore. Morore. Yeah, so just roll the U's. The U's almost sound like O, so it's Morore. Morore. So yep. Emily Wangari Morore? Just say Emily Morore, that's fine. Emily Morore. Yeah. Morore. You got it. Perfect. Okay, guys, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Into the Mind. Today, my guest is Emily Morore. Hopefully, I'm saying that properly. She just taught me how to pronounce it. Uh, Emily is a full-time trader in the stock market, an educator teaching women how to invest wisely in the market, an amazing mother who provides for her family and plays with all the nieces and nephews, and one of the most intelligent down-to-earth women I know. Emily and I met through an education program that we were both a part of that I came in as a student around the time Emily was working as a speaker and representative for the company. Um, So, you know, for most of my guests, I normally know their backstory pretty intimately. However, with you, Emily, I'm not like truly, I don't know your full story yet. So before we dive into the stock market and trade knowledge, I would love to learn a little bit more about your personal history. Um, You did tell me that you originally came from Kenya. Is Mm -hmm. that correct? That is correct. So you want the good, the bad, or the ugly? Oh, I want it all. (laughs) A little bit of both. A little bit of everything. (laughs) A little bit of everything, please. All right. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. It's really a pleasure to be on this platform with you. Um, We met like what, about a year and a half ago? Yeah, we met not, you know, it hasn't even been that long. It's actually back in like maybe December, December or October. It feels like it's been two years with quarantine. So I know know. quarantine's (laughs) been throwing everyone's time off. And we spent so much time together on Zoom during this time. It feels like I've known you longer. I think that's what it is. It's because like now we're interacting even more on Zoom. It feels like I've known you longer, but I can't believe it's been less than a year. All right. Well then, 
I stand corrected. <laughs> I've known you for about a year. <laughs> um, and you are correct in saying that, yeah, when we met, uh, you were a student and I was like, a, I guess you can call me like a graduate student of that same educational company. Um, I had gone through the same process you were now getting started with uh, in November and uh, learned how to trade. But before I learned how to trade and invest in the stock market, I was, um, I guess what you call a typical nine to fiver. I had a nine to five job that I worked for about 17 years in the um, self-storage industry and really loved what I did. I, I loved the flexibility of, um, of, of my, my schedule, especially being a mom with kids. Really enjoyed the people that I worked with, um, you know, the whole nine yards. So really I'd never saw myself um, not, you know, working for that company or not, you know, working in general, because I mean, we all taught to do the same thing, right? Go to school, get a job and all that good stuff. So that's kind of like how, you know, I was trained in that realm of, you know, you're just going to, you know, work and work and work. But um, around 2014, I want to say, um, that job came to an end and I found myself looking for something else to do. And when you've been in something or in an industry for such a long time, and I was in it for about 17 years, it's so hard to like figure out, okay, what am I going to do now? Right. Or what am I going to do next? And um, having grown up in, in Kenya with my, with my parents, you know, we come from that, um, that cloth of investing, buying properties and, and reinvesting and renting out homes and that kind of stuff, which I still, I did hear also in the U.S. I just kind of started slowly, but um, never really got into it as uh, in the proper in terms of, you know, getting educated and understanding all the ins and outs about real estate. So when 2008 happened, um, you know, we really took a hit on that in, in terms of, you know, we had properties that lost equity and we didn't know how to protect those assets. We didn't have any exit strategies in terms of those things. So really found, um, you know, ourselves kind of like hitting that reset button all at the same time. So um, being, you know, home and not working, I, you know, just kind of zooming on the internet or whatever, um, came across this ad and, um, you know, it was a free, um, seminar to attend to learn about investing in real estate in the stock market and I figured well why the heck not also go I'm not doing anything else so um I attended that that seminar and I guess what they say like what the rest the, the rest is history so when I went to that um uh, seminar I really loved everything that they were you know teaching and talking about and it kind of resonated with me I actually went there with the mindset of really um learning how to invest in real estate the proper way. So my mindset going in was, hey, I'm going in this to learn about real estate because that's what I've known. That's what I've grown up in, you know, all my life. So that's kind of like where I was leaning towards. But then um, uh, the speaker that was also there also introduced another speaker talking about, to talk about the investing in the stock market. And because I also had a 401k with my previous employer, I also felt like that also needed attention. So I literally was like looking at, you know, two different things going, well, which one do I want to focus on first? Right. Cause I really love real estate, but I also figured, okay, I have this, this 401k that I really don't understand much about it. I just know it was something that I was told to do when I got hired, but that was about the gist of it. So, um, in that decision, that point of decision, I just, I decided to focus on, on the financial side of, um, of 
my my life and kind of put real estate on on the back burner because I figured that part needed more um, more care, I guess, if you if you would say that. I needed, to, I needed to know more about the financial markets than I did real estate, if that makes sense. Because I had some experience in real estate, I figured, okay, I know enough, but I know nothing about this side of it. So let me mm. focus my attention on that. And that's kind of like where uh, I've been for the last five five years, you know, but I really never imagined that it would turn out to what it turned out to be. My, th- my thought process was just, okay, I'm just going to go figure out what 401k is all about how to protect my 401k and that will be it. And then I'll go back to real estate. And here I am five years later, still trading. So obviously, you know, we always say we always have one plan for our lives, but God has a better, has a better plan for you. And we, you know, you just can't fight that. So that's where I've been for, you know, focused on for the last five years, but you know, still uh, dabble here and there in real estate, uh, you know, doing flips and here and there, but primarily my focus is, is in the stock market. Wow. I love that. It's really funny. I like that you came into the seminar looking for real estate knowledge and then you left with this entire other avenue, but it still got you ultimately to where you were looking to go. You know, like you were looking to be at the top of the mountain. You didn't necessarily care that it had to be this certain vehicle that got me there. Yeah. And yeah. And actually, you know, I I always tell people like, you know, I, my, my passion and my love is still with real estate. Like I love I love, love, love everything about real estate. So it was like a, I had to make that detour turn to focus on the on the financial side of my of my uh, of my journey before it wheeled me back into real estate. So there's so now I kind of go back and forth. But if you were to like you know to pin me and say, well, where, where's your main focus? I would say, well, you know, eighty percent right now my focus is in the stock market, and twenty percent <laughs> of it is in real estate. But you know, and those could fluctuate. I mean, I don't know where five years from now where that will be. It could t- completely turn back around where it's the other way around, where now I'm you know primarily in real estate and now and 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 partially in in the stock market. We just you just never know. And that's that's the you know the thing that I got out of you know out of, you know, losing my job is, you know, to always have multiple streams of income because you just never know where the flow might end on one, you know, and you might rely on another one. So for me, it's more like, you know, um, you know, just adding, having those multiple streams of income. And for now that focus for me is on stocks and real estate. And then of course, getting into other things, businesses, partnerships and stuff like that, but that's all a work in progress. I love that. And the multiple streams of income, that's something that, you know, I can tell you I wasn't taught, you know, so it's not something that's being taught mainstream. And that's why I'm happy to hear you say that. And I'm happy that the listeners are able to hear that from someone other than myself is you want to have multiple streams of income. It doesn't matter if one stream is paying you $1 million a year. If it's your only stream, the second it dries up, you're in a terrible situation. You're in a bad position. You never want to put yourself in that position. That's the epitome of carrying all your eggs in one basket. That basket goes down, you lose everything. Right, so I'm right. really excited that you said that you have these multiple streams and that they fluctuate because a lot of people, I don't think pay attention to the stock market and they don't recognize you are in the market. If you have a 401k, you're officially an investor. And right. that's something a lot of people don't consciously recognize. They don't see that that torch was passed on to them to hold. And now guess what? You're holding your torch. That's your retirement account that's up to you to take care of absolutely and i was telling somebody the other day um we're talking about you know in investing in 401ks and and those sort of things and um 
I was explaining to them, you know, the 401k, you know, however it's, however it's been modeled, like, you know, the employer knows what their benefit is for the 401k. The financial institution that holds your 401k knows what their benefit is. But a lot of people who have 401ks don't know what their advantages and disadvantages are of having that 401k. But the person that provides it has, has, has obviously the tax advantage because that's what the 401k is. It's a tax advantage to the corporation. The institution that now handles and manages those 401ks for the employer and you know the, the employee, they have a benefit because they charge fees for it. But what's the benefit to the employee that's putting money into that 401k? majority of them don't even understand what they are invested in. They don't even know that they're invested mm -hmm. in the stock market, right? So you have to be able to understand, okay, if I'm putting money in this 401k, what is the benefit for me? Like, it's not, it shouldn't just be, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's, tax, it's tax deferred because it, you're saving on taxes out of your paycheck. You need to look beyond that. You need to look beyond that part of it and understand exactly what you're in when you say, oh, I have a 401k, what? Yeah, we know what 401k is, but what do you have inside your 401k? Right. And that's where a lot of people don't understand. And then it gets too complicated and too convoluted. And they kind of, and it's the way we're also trained too. Like, you know, when, when I got when I got hired and I, and I called um, the broker that was holding the 401k from my employer and I asked him, well, what am I invested in? They you know the, 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 the storyline or the tagline is always, well, this is your retirement. So don't worry about it for now. Just put money into your 401k and, you know, don't bother looking at it. It's, it's for your long-term investment. So don't worry about it. So we have that, you know, kind of forget about it mindset where we don't even look at it. We don't even um, check on it to see what it's doing until we're like, you know, close to 50, 55 or retirement age. And then that's like, oh my God, I need to look at my 401k and understand what it is. And by that time, it's either too late, right? right? Or you don't have enough. You know, it's, it's either like, you know, you, you, you never put enough in there or you never understood what it was or, you know, you, you realize you don't have enough saved up. So yeah, it's it's important to to understand all those all those mechanics that go with with investment types. But yeah, if you are a four hundred one k holder, you are an investor. You're a passive investor, meaning that you're not doing much with as in terms of you're not the one logging in and clicking buying and selling and all these things in inside your four hundred one k. But you are an investor. You're just a passive investor, and the whole idea is to, is to get people to become actively involved in their finances because the more you're actively involved in your finances the better off you'll be in knowing what your goals are and what you need to do to meet those goals for retirement or for cash flow or to provide for your family i love it it's you know it's like you have to take control if you want to get a better result you do need to put yourself in the driver's seat or else you're not allowed to be upset when the car flips over if you're Absolutely. not willing to put yourself in that, yeah, especially right. if the if if one if, if if the major vehicle that you have as your you know financial vehicle is that four hundred one k or a home, like you know those are usually the two biggest like you know um, investments that people have. It's either a home and or a four hundred one k, right? And and most people don't understand what those vehicles are and how to take advantage of, of said vehicles. And, and then again, by the time they get to retirement, it's like, oh my God, I should have done X, Y, Z. I didn't know I could have done X, Y, Z. Um, so yeah, when you have, when a lot of people are, are heavily dependent on some sort of retirement plan 
and that's one of your you know vehicles that you're looking to use as your um as your stream of income in the future you need to understand how to grow it how to compound it how to maximize it to your full advantage and how to collect that money as the markets fluctuate you know and going up and down throughout those years that you're going to hold that 401k so let me ask you if someone were listening right now and they were like okay wow like it sounds like i want to be an active investor i want to make sure i'm watching where the money's going and you know what i'm ready to start paying attention to this what would be a good question that they should start asking themselves as far as becoming an active investor you know like at what age is it appropriate to start looking at becoming an active investor oh you started to smile a little bit with that one <laughs> um, you know, so what age is it appropriate to start becoming an active investor and like where where should they begin you know like as you started your journey i know you said it was a little bit overwhelming you didn't understand any of the stuff i know the exact same thing for myself when i started looking at the stock market i was overwhelmed for about three or four months I, like every single day it was just another day of being overwhelmed until right. it finally started to seep in and i was like oh this makes sense now yeah well it's it's never too early to start right i mean uh if you can if you can open up a custodial account for your minor children and start buying them shares of of company while they're still young that's gonna grow over time and by the time they are of age they can then take over that account and, and run it so it there's no there's no um I would I would say start as soon as possible, right? I mean, there's no there's no like okay, wait until your fifties. It's just start as soon as possible. But for most people, when they first start thinking about about some sort of um, retirement, it's when they get that first job that offers a four hundred one k, right? I mean, the first introduction to um, the stock market is via a four hundred one k. And uh, although that is a great vehicle to get started with, because the company does match and give you, you know, they 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 do match that 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 uh, the, what you're putting into your 401k. Somebody should also consider opening up an individual retirement account of their own that is not attached to their employer, because that one gives you full reins to do a lot more than you could do in that in that 401k with your employer. So things such as Roth uh, for Roth IRAs and IRAs and, and those things, um, self-directed IRAs, you know, solo 401ks if you have a corporation, those types of things, um, you know, will allow you uh, the, that full reign of being able to go in there and actually purchase shares of companies or ETFs and, and those other things. In most cases, 401k will be limited to whatever the employer offers you. Um, but again, it's, it's better than nothing. Um, but it's all, I, I would also suggest that you also open up a separate account, separate from your employer, some sort of retirement account that you can then go and also start purchasing shares of companies or ETFs or commodities or whatever, um, that you may not otherwise be able to do in a 401k. I completely, personally, I completely agree. So something I hear often when I talk to folks, especially guys and girls that are a little bit younger, they're maybe not earning a lot of money yet. They mm -hmm. tell me that, well, you know, I don't have enough money to invest yet. What do you say to that when someone tells you they don't have enough money to invest yet? I would say go and do a quick budget and see how much money you spend on Chipotle, on phones, <laughs> on <laughs> on eating out you know on all those things that you know we really you know we, we we always see oh it's only five bucks or it's only 10 bucks but if it's five bucks every day if it's 10 bucks every day that adds up to you know quite a lot at the end of the month so i would say you know 
um, find something or, you know, uh, some activity or something that you can, you know, you can deprive yourself for a while that you can use that capital. And it doesn't take much to grow an account. People like, you know, they really underestimate what they can do when they just start putting in a little bit of money, a little bit of money and it's growing and compounding. Um, so I would say absolutely you can. Uh, a lot of us are walking around with, you know, um, iPhones and I don't know the Samsung Galaxy phones or whatever. I mean that sets you back what at least minimum a thousand bucks, you know, just to buy mm -hmm. that phone. Do we have to upgrade to a new phone every year or every two years every time it comes out? When we sacrifice, you know, sacrifice an upgrade and and spend that thousand dollars to go open up an investment account and just start putting that money aside. You know, it doesn't take much. It just takes that first commitment to just do something, whether it's twenty five bucks a month or you know, fifty bucks a month, whatever you could possibly do, just start. You'll yeah, be guys, amazed how it, it will grow. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a big contribution. Like I could tell everyone personally, I have a hundred dollars each month that's automatically set to go to my different money accounts between my Charles Schwab and my E Trade and my cryptocurrency account. So 100 bucks each month goes into each account. That's not a ton of money, but at the minimum each month, I know there's a little bit more there for me to now put into opportunities that I see. And I'm right. beginning to see it that I have money that I invested and it's already more than doubled in just the last two months. And I'm like, oh wow, the stock market stuff, it, it really works. It, yeah. If you pay attention, if you know what you're investing in versus letting the money sit in your bank account, in your savings account, where it's not yeah. earning anything for and you, it's actually losing value. A lot of people don't understand that one. They say, well, how's it losing value? If it's, and that's a topic for another day, but your money, when it sits there, if it's not working, it's losing value. You need to put right. your money to work. If it's not, if it's not growing, you're certainly losing it to inflation. So I always say like my, 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 my rule or my, my, my threshold is always like, if you're not getting at least 3% on your money a year to at least cover inflation, then we got to talk about, we got to talk about something, right? Like, like the least you can do is just try to make at least 3% on your money. And, you, and we know you're not getting that with banks and you're certainly not getting it now. There was a slight chance that we're starting to increase interest rates, but now we've gone back to almost zero. So, you know, over the last 10 years, it was hard to even make 3%, but now over the next, maybe even another 10 years, it's going to be nearly impossible to make 3% if all you're doing is putting it in savings, you know, and even with CDs that are staggered, I mean, it's still, you know, very, very minimal when you look in terms of the rates that are coming in. But, you know, you look like a company, you look at a company like AT&T, which has been, you know, a utility company that's been here for years and years and years, it pays a 6%, 6.89% dividend a year. And it's only 30 bucks a share. So, you know, 30 bucks getting you 6%. Show me where else you're going to get about 6.8% uh, uh, interest on any capital anywhere else. And I'll, I'll take my money there, but I don't know of any other place that you can get that. Even with such a, you know, a, a company, it's not, it's not a volatile company. It doesn't move much. So if you're looking for it in terms of growth, you're not going to get that as you would a Tesla, for example, or an Amazon or any of those other high flyers. But, you know, AT&T has been, you know, been a utility company and it's been, you know, in, in the industry forever and ever and ever. A lot of investors like it for its dividend payout. So, you know, don't expect it to go from 30 to, you know, a thousand in the next six years it's not going to do that but we're going to get that dividend payout every single year and it's going to at least cover inflation on your money so even if you just put 30 bucks in, in at&t at least you'll get a six percent wow see <laughs> right there that's yeah so even 30 bucks in savings versus 30 bucks on at&t 
you know, you do the math. See, you just you just dropped a gem for so many people, and I hope they pick that up. I really hope they listen. Like, oh wow, like there you go. There's your first stock, AT and T. Do a little bit of your own homework. Make sure that you feel comfortable with it. But yep. you're gonna get a guaranteed, or for now, uh, as close to guarantees if guarantees come, a guaranteed return on your money, and you now are in the game. And that's what yeah, a lot of people I, need. Yeah, and I and I always like to give you know the, a person an option, right? It's it's a compare and contrast, right? It's kind of like you know the would you rather game, right? You have money sitting in your savings account, and 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 again, and and I want to be, I want to emphasize this. It's always important to have an emergency savings account. Like we all understand, like especially now with with what we're all going through, right? Everybody understands the importance of having you know something saved up for an emergency, whether that's six mm -hmm. months, nine months, a year you know, whatever, whatever, wherever you feel comfortable having that, that money, that cap, whether it's six months, a year, whatever, once you get into that goal, anything else that, that, that you have available in cash should be an asset that are growing for you. Like I, I, I get that whole, like, yeah, I need to save money. I need to have money for an emergency. Got it. But once you get to whatever that number is, Adam, whatever that amount is for you, whether it's 5K, 10K, 12K, whatever, once you've set that aside, anything else needs to be an asset that are compounding and growing and at least trying to, you know, break even with inflation, if not a little bit more, you know? Um, so whether it's the stock market, whether it's real estate, whether it's whatever else, a business or whatever, just find ways, um, you know, to generate more, you know, more income, more interest with the capital that you have, you know, um, it's just all about, it's just all a matter of those compounding gains, the compounding interest. That's how you win the game. The more interest you earn in your money, the faster the money will grow. The, the lower the interest, you know, the whole thing with the rule of 72, right? How many, how many years does it take for your money to double, right? So if you're earning 1% versus earning 10% a year, there's a huge difference. No, you're absolutely right. One of the one of my favorite things I've heard recently that's been over and over in my head is really if you ask anyone how many ways are there to make money, there's only two ways. You're either working for money or your money's working for money. Those are right. the only two ways. You either physically go out there and you do the job and you make the money or you send your money, you deploy your money out there to go make money. And I recommend doing both. You know, yeah. so really if you're not most people only know how to do it one way. They can trade time for money and we see how limiting that can be. So let me ask yeah. you, you started doing uh, women in trading, right? Which is mm -hmm. an online platform geared towards teaching women how to trade the money market, stocks, options, futures, and Forex. Um, and as well as you're a coach with Tackle Trading, uh, which is another online resource with mm -hmm. all things money market. What was the inspiration for that? What got you into wanting to coach that? <laughs> um so you know my, my journey into learning how to trade how to trade stocks uh involved me having a mentor to teach me how to do all of this obviously i didn't learn this you know on my own right it's, it's a matter of finding people that that um that know or have what you want it's a matter of you implementing copying them and becoming just like them or better right so i was mentored by somebody who obviously has been in the markets and um the idea just came out of just having a, a conversation you know we were we'd gone through like an intense three days of just, you know, um, pounding it with just learning the different strategies and trading and options and all these things. And we'd just gone like, you know, just day after day after day. And on that last day, we were just talking about like, you know, what are your next goals, future goals? Like, what do you want to do? And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, my mentor, Tim Justice, you know, like, you know, we kept pounding and kept pounding. Like, what are you going to do with your time? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm, what I'm going to do with my time? I'm going to 
keep trading and spend time with my kids. And he goes, yeah, yeah, but your kids are going to grow older and, you know, they're not going to want to have time with mom. Like, what are you going to do with your time? And, um, you know, my friend Rosemary and I we were there together, my mentoring together, you know, we kind of came up with this, like, you know, yeah, it would be nice if you could teach women how to trade. And that's kind of like where it was, that idea came from. And um, we kind of parked that and just sat on it for a, a, actually probably about a year or two um, before that same mentor called me up and said, okay, you need to start learning. You need to start teaching women how to trade. And I'm like, well, how do you want me to do that? You know, and um, it just started off as just as a blog, just writing a blog about my experience and my journey and learning how to trade and investing. And that has turned into now doing webinars and all kinds of things. So it's still growing. It's, you know, only like two or three years into its, into its birthing. But that idea really does resonate with me because um, women are at one point in their life, a lifetime going to be in control, 100% in control of their money. Whether that's just going through just life, you know, perhaps having your spouse pass away, you know, going through a divorce, whatever the case might be, at some point you're going to be in control, 100%, all of a capital, you're going to be in control of it. And learning how to do that is, is, is so key and it's so important because a lot of us um, depend on other people uh, to talk to us or tell us or teach us about, about money or other people handle that or no, my, you know, my husband handles that or whatever. Right. And by the time we get into understanding how the, how money works, it's too late. And I'll give you a case, you know, just an example with just my, you know, in my own family with my grandma, um, when her husband passed away, you know, she really didn't understand much about, you know, how he was, you know, running the business and all that stuff. And then ended up relying on on other relatives to you know to kind of help her and they ended up like you know literally just like you know taking all her money essentially right um and you know she didn't know by the time she figured out what was going on it was almost like you know well most of your money is gone right so it's just being able to just understand how to be in control of the finances and it doesn't even matter whether it's just whether it's women but i i, I might my 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 passion is is in women but in general everybody needs to be in 100% control of the money. Even if you have somebody else managing that money for you, like if you're a financial advisor, for example, you should be able to have conversations with the financial advisor, right? And ask them key questions that they should be able to answer for you, right? The answer shouldn't always be the default, oh, don't worry about it, markets go up and markets go down. Like you need to be able to have specific questions to ask them that, you know, for example, if, you know, the market, if you have money in the markets, right? If, if you're, if you have a financial advisor that's managing you, you know, your, your time and account, so whatever the case might be, you need to have like specific questions of like, if this, then what? Like, what is your plan for when this and this and this happens? So that means you need to be educated in financial education, right? You need to have that knowledge to be able to have that conversation with them. You just can't blindly trust somebody and what they tell you and just believe that, that whatever they're telling you is accurate, right? And I'm and nothing against financial advisors, and I'm not saying that all financial advisors are 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 bad. But remember that they are working for an institution, so you know their um, they are working for an institution, which means you're the client. Now, yes, they're going to talk to you about investment opportunities, but it's investment opportunities that benefit 
who they work for right. more than they right. do you. So you need to be able to ask those questions, like how much fees am I paying for you to put me in this fund? What is your plan if the market crashes? Are you going to rotate and rebalance my account and put me in? Like you need to be able to have these conversations with, with, with whoever is managing your money. So whether or not you choose to be actively involved in you know, the physical buying and selling and clicking buttons in your own account, or having somebody else manage it, you still need to have the same level of education and understanding as, as the person who is doing it themselves, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense, you know, and like putting it into terms that I think even like a lot of my listeners might understand if they don't understand money markets yet, it's, I use the analogy of if you go to a mechanic, you know, and if you have no clue how to work on your car and you bring your car into the mechanic and you have no clue about anything car related, they can tell you anything under the sun and charge right. you anything. Now, right. you don't need to be the most mechanically inclined, but you want to have something of a base understanding, some sort of base knowledge, or bring someone with you that has that base knowledge that you know is looking out for your best interest, who can then say, oh, well, all it needs is an oil change. Okay, that's not going to be more than 100 bucks, and that should be done in 30 minutes. Okay, great. Not, yeah, that's going to be a six-hour job and $750, and don't worry about it. We'll get you back on the road. Don't worry yeah. about it. Thank God for Google. You can even, like, if you don't even know anything, like if they tell you, oh, it's the transfer case, and you have no idea what, what a transfer case is <laughs> and what that's supposed to cost you, you can at least look it up and say, okay, for this type of car, this is what it should cost me for, you know, this, you know, this repair, or the average is going to be this. And at least you go in there with some sort of, you know, some sort of knowledge and, and, and you know, something to compare and contrast with. Right. But, you know, just blindly just agreeing to whatever the first person, person tells you about your money it's like, you know, same thing with going to a doctor. You want to get multiple, you know, multiple opinions before somebody says, hey, you've got cancer. Okay, let me go get an opinion from this doctor and that doctor as well. Right. I, and I think a lot of people forget that at the end of the day, they work for you. They are coming onto your team, but it is your ship. It is your vehicle. It is your car. It is your life. So you're bringing teammates on to help you. And they're going to work for you, but ultimately you need to tell them what it is you want. So you need to have enough knowledge yourself to guide that ship in the direction you want it to go. And if they're trying to put it in the wrong direction, you need to have enough know-how to recognize, hey, you're sending me in the wrong direction. I don't know everything that you may know, but I know enough to know that I'm trying to get over there. You're sending me this way to the left. And you're not explaining to me why going to the left is going to get me there faster. I can't trust this. I need to go in. There needs to be some level of self-education enough so that you can find someone that you know you can trust. If not, do it on your own. Yep. So that's really cool. So let me ask you, actually, when you started to make this transition into stocks, finances and all that, how was your family with your transition? You know, because you just left a job. And now you're telling them like, hey, guys, I just went to this seminar and, you know, they're going to teach me all about trading stocks and, you know, don't worry about it. I'm just going to do this stuff from the computer. I don't even have to leave and get out of my pajamas. Right. Uh, how did the family feel? Well, fortunately for me, I come from a very business oriented type of family. My dad, you know, like I mentioned, has always been um, in business and real estate. So, you know, his mindset is there. And, uh, you know, he always told me that, you know, you should always try something once if it's legal 
more or we can make you money, you should at least try it once, right? So I've always gone into anything I've done and I've done many, many different things. There isn't anything that I haven't tried under the sun. Um, so, you know, with that, when I went to them, when I went, when I went to my, to my dad and told him about it, he was like, okay, great. Well, you know, how's it work? You know? So they've always been open to anything that we've all that, that I've, you know, all of us kids, like our parents have just been very supportive in everything that we do. So it's, I didn't have that negative, um, uh, the, you know, the negative influences that were like, oh my God, don't do that. You're going to lose money, blah, 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 blah. It was, it was not like that. I got that more from like friends and, and stuff like that, but um, from, from my family itself, my dad has always been very business oriented. So it's like, you know, Hey, give it a shot. All you can do is try if you fail. You fail. We want to find on some, you know, find, find something else to do. So, um, on, in that realm, it was, it was, it was an easy transition. It was a smooth transition to, to getting into that. Nice. I love it. Um, so then let me ask you, uh, another question here and it's kind of in the same realm with the family. You are raising kids. How mm-hmm. was it with, absorbing new information, working in the markets, and still maintaining your full-time job as a mother? Because I know that's a thing where there's a lot of, I have a lot of friends that are mothers that, you know, they seem to get very, or, you know, it's a full-time job. I've seen it up close and personal. It is a full-time job. You know, my hat off to every mother on this planet because you guys are the unsung heroes of the planet. Seriously. Oh, thank you. <laughs> For um, you to take on any other job on top of that, I think most men don't appreciate that you're always working two jobs, no matter what. Or there's always a single job of being the mother. That's always a job that never turns off. That's 24 hours forever. It's funny you say that because, you know, I, I mentioned to you earlier that I, I had to lock myself up in my room here because I have, you know, I have like a bunch of kids in my house. And since we've started this conversation, they've two of them have walked in my door and I'm like, you know, I'm like pointing at them like I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a meeting, but um, you just find the time to do it. You know, if it means you got to go lock yourself up in the bathroom for half an hour just to get some studying done, that's what you got to do. You know, I remember, you know, when my, they were much younger then when I first got started, but you know, I talk about sometimes it just, just go and just like, you know, go in and just, just lock myself up in the room and just, you know, study for a few hours. But, you know, thankfully they were in school when I was learning how to do all of this. So, you know, I, I was able to find that balance. But, you know, for anybody that's, and it doesn't matter whether you have kids, or not, you could have two jobs or three jobs or whatever. That's something that's time consuming. Um, whatever is important for you, you're going to make it a priority, right? So whenever somebody tells me like, you know, they don't have time to do this, they don't have time to do that, then that means it's not a priority. But somewhere, somehow, I always, you know, I'm always of that mindset that if you decide you're going to do something, if you decide you're going to focus on something, the time will become available. I don't know how it happens, but naturally something just just coincides and stuff just aligns together where that time all of a sudden is, is, is available. But it starts with your mindset saying, I'm going to do this, right? And not making excuses about it. So if you say you don't have the time, guess what? The time is not going to show up. But if you say, I'm going to find half an hour today to focus on learning something about real estate or focus something about trading or focus something about a business or even just mindset or self-development or whatever it is, if you just say that you're going to find the time, it will somehow appear. Now, the, 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 the key to being consistent is that make that time the same as much as you can so that you can all, now you know that you have that block, right? So it's the same as going to the gym. The people that say, I want to go to the gym. Well, if you're going to be a gym goer, then pick your time. Is it going to be in the morning? Is it going to be in the afternoon, right? But if you're always going back and forth, one day you go in the morning, one day you go in the afternoon, it's going to be inconsistent. So whatever time you pick, stick with it as much as you can. Now I get it. Kids get sick, you know, things happen and whatever. You may not be able to make that 
slime sl time slot every single day. So you may have to make some adjustments, but stick with that time frame. And sometimes it could be seasonal, seasonal where, okay, yeah, in the fall, because the kids are in school, I can dedicate more time in the evening hours because, you know, they go to bed early and whatever. But in the summertime when they're home all day running around, you may have to adjust that to the morning hours because you know that they sleep in late, right? So if it's a seasonal thing where you have to adjust seasonally, that's fine. Go ahead. Like everything happens. Not everything has to be, you stay at the same time every single time. But, you know, for that, you know, that time of when you're getting started, try as best as you can to keep that time consistent because that's how you're going to make time. And then once it becomes natural, like brushing your teeth and, and doing whatever, you won't even realize that you've been doing it for a year. You'll be like, oh my God, where did I, where did I even find the time to do this? You know, so it, it's not easy and there's no, there's no secret sauce. There's no, I don't know how to explain it. I just know that the moment you tell yourself you're going to do something, that time somehow somewhere appears, but I cannot tell you where it came from or how I did it. I just said, I'm doing this. Emily, I love it. You just tapped on like three main buttons that I, I absolutely love. You tapped on the fact that you made a decision first. It started with just making that decision, making it a state of mind. And that was it. Like the decision was made. So now the rest of the world needs to adjust itself around this decision I created. Yep. And then you talked about how you set a habit, which is really, in a sense, the exact same thing you're doing with the stock markets, where you're having a compound effect, where you set this habit and you're sticking to it daily and having that consistency. And over time, just like your money being invested in a good investment, it compounds and grows. And before you know it, you have this big, amazing thing that was built in little incremental segments at a time. So like, I, I love that because that's what this whole show is about. This whole show is about teaching that to people. And it comes in so many different forms, but ultimately it's the same foundational block. And then mm -hmm. you can apply whatever you want to it, whether right. it's going to the gym, whether it's learning stocks, whether it's learning real estate, learning music, doing whatever, whether it's going on like dates with your loved one and rekindling a relationship, whatever it is, you just make it a decision and then you find that time you lock it in you make that time sacred you build consistency around it and you let the excuses fall to the wayside and yeah it's not easy it's not gonna just because you know the it's simple Never. but not easy i think people confuse simple with simple easy. yeah it's yeah i think yeah that's that's key it's simple but it's not easy no, so like, that's amazing. I'm so happy that you you shared that because people need to know that and people need to understand that. So now I do want to bring it back into the stock market and I'm not going to hold you much longer because I do want to value your time. Um, so I have a question. You've been watching this madness that's been going on with 2020, right? The what, what madness? What are you talking about? <laughs> Nothing is making sense anymore. Um, and it took my brain a little while to wrap it around. So I have an answer for myself, but I'm curious to know what you made of the fact that throughout 2020, we had unemployment at record highs. We had just bankruptcies in big corporations that have been around forever. We have states that are bankrupt. We have quarantine where states are on lockdown and just the world is upside down temporarily. However, the stock market has just been we're seeing record highs like what what's going on with that like 
man if if only i knew uh well here's the thing and and i come from the you know the way i i learned about the financial markets was you know there's always a cause and effect right and um even going back to um to you know to the dot-com in in 2008 with the housing uh cry right so what caused the bubble in tooth in the 2000s was the 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 tech boom right Mm -hmm. so all these new tech companies were coming up and everybody was just buying tech 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 that bubble eventually bust market crashed and there was you know something else that was created to now boost the economy again so after the 2000 um after the 2000 crash the thing that boosted the economy back up again was, you know, was lowering interest rate and making homes affordable for our Americans, right? So then we had that next boom, which was the the real estate boom, right? So from 2001 yep. up until 2007, 2008, we had that real estate boom where, you know, the market was just being, was going up based on every had job, unemployment was low, people were affording to buy houses. And then you had that, that the, the financial crisis, you know, because it became, it came to the point where, now it didn't matter what your um, what your financial status was or what your credit what your credit status was. Anybody could literally afford a house, right? So that then eventually will cause that real estate uh, real estate crash. So when that happened, we went into this um, different world of things we have never done or you know allowed you know the 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 government and the and the Fed to do, which was them printing money. And, you know, uh, doing all these quantitative easing stuff and all these things. So, so the natural correlation with the markets and the economy was when the, when the market crashes, a while, you know, it goes down for, for a few years and then it, it you know, it, it, it finds the bottom and kind of, you know, goes back up again and it, it does that rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. But because we did this whole thing with printing money and quantitative easing and bailing out all these companies back in, in 2008 and 2009, this market has been going up and up and up and up since 2008. So we really have not had what you would call a, a true correction, right? Until we had the, the, the virus, the pandemic, right? And I don't even know if you call that a correction. I mean, it did drop more than like 35%. It dropped so fast, so quickly, and then immediately came right back, right up, right back again that we like I was caught off guard because that's not the like the way I was trained the way I learned it is that okay yeah when the first of all there was no warning right like you usually look for signs like when the market has to slow down we saw that you could go back and look at the signs and look at the signs of it slowing down in 2000 you can go back to 2007 and and see it slowing down where you could see that okay yeah, this ship is has stopped sailing. It is now turning around, and it's you know it it's showing signs of it crashing. There was absolutely no warning sign in in March, you know, when in February when the when the virus hit, it, the market was going up, and then it was like immediately stopped, and then whoop, we went down, and then right back up again. So there was absolutely no warning to the downside, and there was no like you know. There wasn't that like you know slow down where you could see it coming back up again. It was it was like a drop. It was like a roller coaster essentially. It was down and back up again. And um, I I really don't I don't know how to explain it. I don't even know that there's a way to explain it other than you know there are obviously certain sectors in the market that are going to be affected and remain affected for quite some time. Um, and investors always are, you know, shifting their money from what's making money to what's not making money. 
So obviously, you know, the areas that are affected, your restaurants, um, your airlines, even though they saw a quick recovery back up, they've kind of now stayed stagnant. But when you look at the tech sector, right, every, you know, the tech sector has really been doing well over this pandemic. So even though the S&P is back up to almost the all-time highs, not every sector in the market is back to those highs, if that makes sense, right? There are still some sectors that are still struggling. And that's why it's, you know, when we talk about, you know, starting something brand new, don't just, you know, go with the flow and just do what everybody is telling you to do. You need to get educated and understand different sectors in the market. So there are some areas that are still, you know, still trying to catch up and may not even be able to catch up. I mean, they're going to remain affected for quite some time. Like, you know, the, your cruise lines, your airlines, your hotels, your, you know, restaurants, those types of things. But again, when it comes to like your, your tech sectors and, and what, what you consider to be like growth companies, they seem to be doing quite well. Um, how long this will go on, whether we're going to see another phase of it coming back down again, whether we really went through a, a true correction back in March and now we're back to another boom for another however many years is yet to be seen. But um, I think what we're all looking for is to see whether the S&P is going to go uh, eventually get to back to the all-time highs where we were back in February before it crashed, which it's, it's only a few points away. It might get there this week. It might get there next week. We'll see. But if, if it's able to, to go through that ceiling and exceed those numbers back from April, we might just continue to see this run up in the market uh, continue for quite some time. Um, what all effect it will have in six months from now once, you know, um, homeowners are, you know, the, the mortgage forbearance is done and, and all these other things is yet to be determined. How people get back to work obviously will be a key thing. That the, the sooner we can get back to whatever that new normal will be, the, the more the economy will continue to, to, to go up. But I think if we have any, any sort of scare or shatter or something that just might, you know, um, cause a pause, we'll definitely, you know, probably see some, an, another like, you know, downturn or whatever. But for now, it's just, it's just doing its thing. It's, it's inching up, but it, it's, it's a matter of just being cautious. If you're brand new to the market, um, don't just throw your money every, you need to do your due diligence and, and figure out which industries are booming, which ones are not. There are some that will take some time to get in. I'm not saying that they're doom and gloom and they're done. It's just maybe wait a while and make sure that they really are going to recover uh, fully. So. Yeah, but in 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 a nutshell, I I I could not explain this market to you. We also try to we also try to figure it out because it really absolutely makes no sense. But at the same time, we don't fight whatever the trend is, and as long as the as long as the Fed is going to continue to pump and inject money into this into the economy, then you can't fight that, right? Normally, you want to see a true correction where you let the chips fall where they may. If the companies go bankrupt, they go bankrupt. I mean, that's what happens to 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 companies right you right. start something if it doesn't work out for you it goes bankrupt and you start something else or somebody else buys you up right i mean i wish i could i could you know as an individual i wish we had we had that same um you know that's that same luxury of, of what these companies now seem to have where every time there's trouble they <laughs> get bailed out or get some kind of funding from the government right i wish us individuals had the same thing but that's not the case and i and i you know it, it would be nice to see um, you know, the economy and the way, you know, 
the, the institution of business was created in this country is that you start something, hopefully you want it to grow and, and create revenue and hire people and do all that stuff. But if the business fails, it should be allowed to fail. Right. There's no such thing as that it's too big to fail. If it fails, it fails. Either somebody else will come and buy it up or somebody, or it will go, it will go bankrupt, but somebody else will come and take up that space who can run it better. But this whole idea of, giving all these millions of dollars to these institutions and reward it sounds like you're being paid to have bad business that's exactly what it's you know like i this is a book that you and anita and jacob have all <laughs> the future of jekyll island and i can't put it down and i'm just my jaw is on the ground every time i open that book and i'm just like wow yeah. it really is what you just said we're living in a, a weird time where bad business practice is in a weird way it's being rewarded you know, yeah. you are not being rewarded for doing the right thing as a business, as a bank, you're not being rewarded for making safe investments. So we live in yeah. an interesting time where money is being thrown at things that are providing no true value to the marketplace. And Absolutely. it's, it's odd, but um, I definitely, I appreciate your analysis. I appreciate that you're just as amazed and bewildered by the world as I am where I'm like, okay, this doesn't, we all agree that this doesn't make sense. All right. Just just making sure I'm not the only crazy one. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're treading cautiously. Like, you know, you, you, you can't just sit on the sidelines and just watch these opportunities pass you by. But at the same time, you have to be very cautious and like, okay, whatever. Even, and I'm sure you guys are like, you know, you guys are talking about the same thing with real estate. Like there are certain strategies mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're avoiding <clears throat> during this time. <clears throat> but there are others that you can still do that you know you're not going to be left on the back, right? Right. So it's it's just being understanding the different cycles and being patient, and just waiting for those opportunities to become available to you. But sitting on the sidelines, sitting on the sidelines and doing absolutely nothing, you miss out on the opportunity. You know what I mean? So it's better to do something than nothing. But if you're going to do something, do it with caution. Right, and that's why, like earlier, you said, you know, anyone can get into the game at any point in time. Like it's just. You know, this is just where the game happens to be today. You're going to have to learn how to play on the good days. You're also going to have to learn to play on the bad days. So you might as well yep. just start now. Yep. So I have three final questions for you, and then I will let you go. Sure. So one of my questions I really enjoy asking people is, what's one of your favorite books? And it could be on business. It could be on finance. It could be on personal development. It could be fictional, it could, whatever. What's one of your favorite books that you like to pick up and read? Um, so I'll, I'll give you two. So I'll give you one from each side. Uh, one of the financial books that I really, really love is it's a, it's a tiny book. It's a quick read, but it makes so much sense. And you gain so much wisdom from, uh, from it. It's called the richest man in Babylon. Right. Oh my God. I was going to mention that book earlier. Cause you said something earlier. You were talking about budgeting and I, it made me want to bring up the richest man in Babylon. Yeah. So it's, it's such a quick little read, but it's just, it just talks about saving 10% of your, of whatever money you make, right? It's, it's told in the parables of back in, in, um, in, in the Roman days and, and, and the Babylon days, you know, it was the people who save money in gold and, and, and silver coins. Right. But you know, it's still, it still stands true even till today. If you just apply it even with, with, with cash or the currency you, um, you, you, you use, whether you use a U.S. dollar or another currency wherever you live, um, it's just being able to just put a little bit away to make, to fatten your purse, right? It's the guy always refers to, you know, fattening thy purse, right? So the more coins you hear, you know, um, 
ringing in your pocket and the head becomes that means that you're saving more so i love that book for just a simple concept of what it just what it represents in terms of just saving for that rainy day and just being able to you know to have something stashed away and then it also talks about being mindful of your investments right and not just getting into any old thing that you see it talks about uh, i can't remember what chapter it was but it talks about a guy who who invested in some carpet business but he didn't understand about carpet and rugs and all that stuff and then he ended up losing his money and stuff like that but it also talks about not just throwing your money into anything you need to also study and understand what investments you're getting into uh so i love that book very much for that concept on um i also like to laugh a lot so i like to watch comedies but i also love to read comic like you know books like written by you know comedians and stuff like that my favorite book is by trevor noah born a crime um that book just i i cannot put it down it it just it, it makes me laugh you know till my insides hurt and it's hard to imagine somebody telling a story and and they make you laugh like that without verbally telling it to you but he has a really good way of just he's a very good storyteller so even reading his book it, it, you can literally envision everything that he's talking about through uh through that whole entire book so i i love that's my other favorite book those those two are going to be my favorites Wow, I love that. I'm going to have to pick up. I mean, a lot of people have recommended Born a Crime, so I'm definitely going to have to pick that oh, up. Oh, it, it's a must read. It it is an absolute must read. The second, you know, it's like a 1A 1B. Um Tiffany Haddish, the Black Unicorn, that book is hilarious as well. She's 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 just in another world of just, you know, funny. She's just incredible. So, I love that book as well. I love it. So let me ask you now, what are some daily habits that you feel are important to producing good results in your life? Um, I think the first thing that, uh, one of the daily habits that one should have is like in the morning when you get up, right? Like if you feel bad, like you should already like, okay, what do I plan on doing today? What, what thing do I want to be productive in today? Right? So I usually have like you know, five minutes to myself where I'm just like, all right, before I get out of this bed, what, I, what do I plan to do? I have A, B, C, D listed, right? And it's, it, it doesn't mean that you're going to get everything off of your checklist done, but, you know, try to get as much done as possible. So it's always just trying to have like, you know, what am I going to do today? What's going to, what's going to be my daily routine for today? Um, having a moment of just gratitude, whatever, whether it's at the end of the day or the beginning of the day, whatever it is, just have a moment of just being grateful for whatever the fact that you woke up and you're alive, especially in the madness that we're going through right now. Um, just having a, just having a moment of gratitude. I think those two things, you know, having a, having a daily routine and just having a moment of gratitude of just saying, you know, just being thankful for whatever it is, whether no matter how small, no matter how big, um, are one of the things that I think are key. I love it. I completely agree. I, that's something that I implement in my own life where every single morning I wake up. Actually, I do it before I go to bed. Right before I go to bed, I write out what I'm going to do for the next day to let my subconscious kind of get a grip on what it is. And I can wake up with purpose, wake up with intention. And the first thing we do when we wake up is you say the best prayer in the world, which is thank you. You know, thank you for coming into this world again, for having another 24 hours. Yeah. And, and have, and have, and finding you finding your happy place, no matter how crazy the day goes, right. Just finding that moment of like, you know, just being happy. Even if it's just, you know, you want to be happy all the time, but even if it's just a reminder to be like, okay, you know what? I'm not having a good day. Not everything's the market's going down. I've lost money, whatever it is, right. My real estate deal didn't go the way it was supposed to go or this business deal didn't happen. Um, but still finding, finding a reason to be, to, to be happy and just choosing to be happy all the time. 
regardless of what's happening in your life, just finding that moment of like, you know what? I choose to be happy no matter what. I'm going to choose to be happy and be grateful. I love it. All right. So now one of my favorite questions, and I absolutely love this one. So I okay. always say it for the end. If you woke up tomorrow and you had no memory of anything, you didn't remember your name, you didn't remember who you were, you haven't remembered anything that you've done or learned, no technical skills, you're a blank slate. You don't mm-hmm. even remember your relationships. But okay. you are able to retain one piece of information, one bit of wisdom. What would you want that piece of knowledge to be? And once it's in there, you're never going to question it. You're just going to accept this bit of knowledge, this bit of wisdom that's in your brain. And you're not going to question, why do I know it? Why do I think it's true? Like You're just going to run with it. What do you want that bit of wisdom to be? Ooh, man. Um, I think it would just be humble. You know, I think when you have humility and, you know, and just carry that with you no matter what's happening in life. I think that will take you a long ways. Um, yeah, so I think I would have to pick, I would have to just just, I'd just choose to be humble. You know, through the ups and the, you know, the highs and the lows, the ups and downs, the, you know, when nothing's happening in life and everything is happening in life, just having that, that same level of humbleness to know that, you know, we are, we are here because, not because of what we've done or anything like that. We're here because of a higher power and it's just a matter of just being humble and being humble to others. I love it. That's such a good answer. Thank you. No, you're that. welcome. You got me off the fly, but I'm like, man, which one would it be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's one of my favorite questions. I love watching people like, have to stop and think, like, huh, what would that one thing be? Yeah. No, but I, I totally agree that being humble, there's this power to it. And there's, it allows you to continue growing. So even if you now have no direction, or you have to find new direction, that mm-hmm. humility will allow you to get ultimately where you will find purpose and happiness. So yeah. I think that's a great answer. So well, Emily, for folks that really enjoyed listening to you today, and want to learn more about the markets and learn more about you and follow you, where can they find you? How can they get in touch with um, well, they can find me on, uh, all social media platforms. You can find women in trading on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter. That's where you'll, you'll get most of, um, all the things that you need to learn about, uh, about trading. And also like you mentioned, our, you know, the other platform, my, you know, my, my trading brothers, tackle trading, women in trading would not exist if it was not for tackle trading because that's who taught me everything that I know about how to trade. So um, you can also find blogs that I've written through tackle trading as well. So either platform, women in trading on Instagram, Facebook, and tackle trading as well. You'll be able to find all the things that you need to find about Emily. Awesome. So I will put the links for both of those in the description below. So you guys can go and check her out. And she is an absolute wealth of knowledge. Like I really do enjoy talking to you. I enjoy picking your brain. I like there's a million more questions I want to ask you, but I'm going (laughs) to let you go and get back to the kids that are running around waiting patiently for your return. (laughs) I know, right? They're probably hungry or something or they want something. And I'm like, I told you guys, just give me 45 minutes, just 45 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, but I appreciate being on and I wish you much success and much luck in all that you do. You are a great inspiration to the younger generation coming up behind us. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep educating people. This is a wonderful platform and I'm just, I'm honored to be a part of it. So thank you for having me on. And thank you for coming. I'll talk to you soon. All right, my dear. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, guys. So I really hope you enjoyed that interview. 
once again, I ask that if you receive any value at all, I mean anything, if one thing stood out to you, leave a comment below, let people know what that thing was, let us know what it was, we do read all of the comments, and absolutely share this with a friend, that is how we help each other, okay, the best thing you can do is pass on knowledge and information that's helping you grow, send that out to your friends, help them grow, Build your network and build your power team. Let's all get this together. So I want you guys to click that share button, click that like button, subscribe, make sure you're here for the next episode. And remember that the greatness is already inside of you.